In 2011, Victoria McCausland returned home to find three men in uniform waiting for her. They were there to tell her that her husband had been killed in combat. She joins us today to talk about the weight of that moment and how we can ensure heroes like her late husband are never forgotten, especially with Memorial Day right around the corner. You'll notice that we don't go into all the details of her story out of respect to her late husband, his unit, friends, and fellow warriors. But our loyal listeners might be able to piece together some of the details. And I know you, like me, are eternally grateful for her sacrifice. Let's meet Victoria and hear how she's working to overcome life's most significant challenges through her company, Paciencia Perfectus, on this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Brian Jodis back once again for another episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast, and I've got Victoria McCausland joining me today. Victoria, good to see you. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. I am honored and thrilled to have you join us on this episode as we're kicking off our our week of dedication to our fallen heroes uh, here uh, as we sort of start Memorial Day week. Here at Pick Up the Six, we don't just uh, take time on that Monday to honor those. Uh, we try to do it, honestly, as best we can every day of the year. But really, this week leading up to it, we've set aside some dedicated episodes to talk. Uh, Scott Deluzio is going to join me in a few days. His brother was killed in combat when Scott was not but two miles away, also serving at the same time, uh, and your late husband in the summer of 2011. But before that, let's get to know you a little bit. So, Victoria, how are you? Just first and foremost, how are you doing today? How's life going? We're good. We're good. It's um, you know almost the end of the, the school year for my little ones and Gearing up for summer, it's getting hot here and, um, you know, just enjoying the warmer weather. I'm a warm weather girl, so yeah. I'm happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> shifting in that direction for us. Yes, yes, That's yes. That's for sure. Exactly. We're, we're yeah. coming off of uh, a bit of a scorcher of a weekend here in central North Carolina where temperatures ticked up in the 90s. You're like, okay, all right, let's start getting ready for two to three showers a day and yes. uh, living that life. So. <laughs> So here we go. Yeah. 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 Your nonprofit is called Potencia Perfected. Did I, did I, I was practicing yeah. it. I've been trying. Uh, yeah. So Pat, it's Paciencia Perfectus. Perfectus. And actually, so we're, we're an LLC and, but we work yeah. specifically with nonprofits right. only yeah. um, to try to kind of elevate them and help them take their support services to the next level for surviving families, both Incredible. military and first responder. Yeah. And that, and that uh, is you. And the reason you started that, the why behind that is a fateful yeah. moment in the summer of 2011 when your husband was deployed to Afghanistan and he made the ultimate mm-hmm. sacrifice for our nation. So before you tell us whatever you want to tell us about that and that moment that sort of launched this, this, uh, this why for you, um, we just say as a grateful audience and a grateful nation, we thank you for your, for your sacrifice and what your family was asked to do. Uh, for our country. Yeah. So tell us your story well, a little thanks. bit because I know, know you're a veteran as well. Uh, yeah. So tell us your story. I a little am. Bit. Yeah. So I um, I served in the Marine Corps for six years. I was stationed out in beautiful San Diego. Mm-hmm. I was at MCAS Miramar uh, where they originally filmed Top Gun. I know everybody's kind of excited about Top Gun 2 coming out. Oh, well, <laughs> so, I've got a ticket for Thursday night. We're yeah. going to put the tires and light the fires big time. Yeah. And then, um, and then I did my second tour at um, the recruit depot down in San Diego. I was a public affairs officer. So I worked specifically with community relations and internal and external communication. And then um, 
the media, of course, you know, dealing with the media. And um, it was great. I had a great time. uh, But it was time, you know, after my six years was up, it was kind of, I was, uh, my late husband was also serving and Mm -hmm. they could not guarantee us that we would always be stationed so close as we were when we were in San Diego. So um, I decided to go to grad school at that point and um, start my graduate kind of academic career. And so yeah, the Marine Corps was great. I had a had a great time. I met some great people. And, you know, it's obviously that the camaraderie, you can't, I think you can't beat it as yeah. far as services yeah. go. But, you yeah. know, I know that's well, hot topic was, for a lot of people. And it was important and personal for you because your father, a Marine for yes. life, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. And so I was, I was listening to some of your other podcasts and um, I saw that you had interviewed Colonel Barney Barnum, mm-hmm. Secretary Barnum, yeah. Um, yeah. who was a good friend of my father's before my father passed. And they used to, you know, go have lunches together. And so I, you know, I'd hope that maybe you could link me up with him again. Can do. Then we'll do the best we can. He is, a, yeah. You want to talk about an incredible American, uh, Colonel Barnum, yeah. Medal of Honor recipient, to be a fly on the wall during those lunches at the Army Navy Club in DC between your dad and him. I'm sure they were swapping some stories. And I know that Colonel Barnum was, pretty instrumental in helping you when your father passed away and yeah and, and yeah there was so just some, a servant servant his entire life yeah he just he was so helpful to our family during obviously a really stressful and emotional time and um and i just knew that if he could help us he would and yeah. he he certainly did he helped us with some some administrative like logistical things and um just a good good man yeah. and so yeah a good podcast episode too. There's he was, he was incredible. I just, I tried to get out of his way like any good host and just let him tell these amazing stories. Um, yeah, yeah, it it was, uh, that was a great day. Very honored to be able to sit with him, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, between him and and Melvin Morris, those are two Vietnam era, uh, medal of honor recipients. I actually got to meet Melvin a couple months ago, which was a joy of a lifetime. They don't Mm -hmm. make them like those guys, (laughs) Victoria anymore. That's (laughs) <laughs> that's for sure. That's why we got to hear their stories and, and get to know them. Yeah. Listen to them a little bit. Absolutely. They've seen so much and they've been asked to do a lot. They've been asked to do a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their service never really ends. Barnum's story of helping you, right? He probably didn't have to. Mm-hmm. There's no requirement that said he had to do that. It's just no, what they do. No, exactly. Yeah. 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 Your family's history, your service, your late mm-hmm. husband's service, you know how real uh, service to our nation is, and you know, the risks that come with it. But when you're asked to live through that in that summer of 2011, mm-hmm. in that moment, I, I, I guess that it, it got real, real quick for you. Yeah. Um, so going back to that summer, we had, um, I was in graduate graduate school, as I explained, and, um, I was working towards my PhD in interpersonal communication. Um, looking backwards, it's a lot easier to see all these things God kind of put in my life. Mm, And you'll hear mm -hmm. it through my story today, where it led me to where I am and and kind of doing what I do. But I was studying interpersonal communication. And I was specifically studying working on my dissertation, which was about military families who were um, going through some type of non normative stressor, whether that's loss of a loved one or wounded warriors or things that outside of your normal stressors. And I was researching how they elicit and receive support from their friends and official support networks. That was my research on the communication side of things. Um, so it was summertime. I was teaching that summer, but I decided to take the weekend off, uh, go down to visit my family. 
in my hometown and see some friends. And I, uh, I spent the night at my younger sister's place, which normally I stay at my parents' place, but I spent the night at my younger sister's place. And I, uh, and my, my husband was deployed in Afghanistan. Um, and I drove home that next morning in silence, which is kind of odd for me. Uh, it didn't turn on the radio, which I think was a God thing because what had happened was all over the radio at that point already. Mm. Um, but I drove up to the, where my mom was in that house and there's a car parked outside. Um, and I thought that was odd because you know, who's visiting my mom right now. I, I normally people aren't parked in the street in front of her house. And so I walked in and the person who opened stood was standing at the door was my mom and she's just bawling. And she said, you know, she, I couldn't really understand what she was saying, but basically telling me that she didn't understand what was going on. And as I'm looking at her, I noticed there's three men behind her and everything's kind of blurry. I realized they're in uniform and I'm, st- I, I don't know how long it took for me to kind of put everything together. But as soon as I started to recognize one of their faces and knew that it was a coworker and very good friend of my late husband's, mm-hmm. um, I knew something terrible happened and I immediately turned around and walked into the next room. Um, and, you know, fell to my knees. Mm-hmm. Um, so Um, at that, you know, moment, he knelt down next to me and, and told me the news. Um, and so, you know, we, you have whatever hope you can have in those moments. And so I had hoped that maybe he was telling me he was only hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, but he told me that he was in a helicopter that got shot down and, um, that, you know, he didn't make it, uh, And so after, I don't know how many seconds, I started asking him about some of his buddies, you know, because the, the units, they're so close and he was so close with, with, with some of those guys. And, um, and you kind of not at that moment, I didn't think about this, but I wonder if part of me wondered, you know, well, are they going to be able to be there for me? You know? So Mm -hmm. I think that it was also probably some selfishness in asking like, well, what about some of these other people? Yeah. Um, and he just shook his head and said, no, a couple of times. And then he stopped me after maybe the third or fourth guy that I listed. He goes, Victoria, there were no survivors. Hmm. Um, and so their, their whole, you know, everybody on the Hilo had, had died. Um, and yeah, from that moment on, it was just as anybody who's lost especially I think a spouse who you plan a future with um, as anybody who's gone through that knows you're kind of, everything's rattled so much, but your future is completely uncertain at that point. You just Mm -hmm. have no vision for what life will look like in front of you. Um, And I was just numb. I mean, I just, I don't even know if I was bawling or crying or what it was, but I just remember feeling extremely numb and um not knowing what to say or do uh so yeah and and i honestly kind of probably blacked out the next couple hours i remember certain pieces of it but my sister still to this day reminds me of things and i tell her oh i don't i didn't remember that that actually happened she's like yeah that you were doing this or we were doing that you know so yeah i think it's rather interesting in those moments how your brain 
can almost try to protect you from having to process that, right? Because you talk about sort of being in and out and almost blacking out. And it, yeah. it probably is for the better that sure. it sort of shuts it down a little bit. And there's Absolutely, probably yeah. a ton of activity happening. You know, if you could pull yourself out of your body and be up in top of the room and look around. You'd probably see a ton yeah. of activity, right? Because those guys are moving around. Your mom's moving around. It's probably all these people coming and going. In that right. To, to, we don't, I don't want to belabor it, right? To have a, that familiar face there, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the beautiful things, I think, in those moments, those incredibly tough moments that we get right is if possible to send someone in that, you know, my father's Mm -hmm. had to deliver that news Mm -hmm. um, to someone that we knew and were close with, but you hope in that moment that that familiar face maybe helps through that. Was there some calm and comfort in that? Yeah. um, So, so this guy that that came to to visit us, um, he I did not, I did not have a very close personal relationship with him, but you know, I knew him through stories from my husband and I had Mm -hmm. met him before, actually another small world story. His wife went through the basic school with me in Quantico. So she's a Marine. I think she's done an inner service transfer now, but I knew his wife. Um, and so I knew him and, and obviously I probably would have resisted had it been a complete stranger. I would have been like, who are you? And what are you talking about? You know, but because right. it was him, I knew that everything he was telling me was real. Um, I, I feel very blessed that I had somebody that I knew. I don't know for, there was 30 people on the helo that night. I don't know that all 30 of them had somebody that they knew that did their notification because it was such, such a huge loss. And to find that many people on that short notice, you're racing the clock. You're trying to get to these families before they hear about it on the news or before they hear about it from their friends. Right. And so they're, and they're not, you know, for me, I was lucky. I was just a couple hours drive uh, for them. They had to figure out where I was because I wasn't at my apartment at grad school. I wasn't at our home um, where he was stationed. And so for other people, they've got to fly across the country, you know? And so they're racing the clock to try to get to these people. And so, uh, yes, I do feel very blessed that there was somebody who came to my house that I knew. Yeah. And he, he just, that next, you know, month and more honestly became part of the family because yeah. he was in our yeah. house and got to know my sister and my mom, my mom would get irritated because she of course was like opened her house and said, please help yourself to whatever you want. But he kept going in and opening the refrigerator and moving things around. And so my mom put a note on, if you need something, please let me know. <laughs> And he knew that that was directed at him immediately. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great to have him there. Uh, When the, when the head, when the moment is right for you, and if you have a few moments, we recently put out an episode with my friend Colin from the infinite hero foundation. Colin Mm -hmm. used to be the lead designer. And at one point was the CEO for Oakley. Okay. And in the moment that I believe he's connected to with you of this as well, in his time at Oakley, he met a lot of operators uh, yeah. and became very close with a lot of those guys and almost tried to enlist. He was 40 something years old at the time, mm-hmm. tried to enlist in the military, I believe, after the same fateful day that was a part of your story. And yeah. they basically like, no, you can't. Obviously, you can't. <laughs> We're thankful that you want to do this because you felt so close to these guys. Uh, mm-hmm. But then he started the Infinite Hero Foundation. He said, okay, fine. If I can't 
do this. What can I do? And he started the infinite hero foundation and they've done an incredible amount of work for fallen, uh, soldiers, families, fallen heroes, families, uh, and beyond. And so part of your story is then as well. Okay. What, what, what can I do next? What do we do next? Yeah. That can be part of a legacy for this to ensure that this moment is obviously not just a moment in time, but that mm-hmm. can, we can then springboard to, to help people who, who go through something similar to what I do. And that's why you, right. you started your organization. So tell us a little bit. Yeah. About it. So, um, basically the, we had this loss and we lost all these incredible men. I mean, we went to service after service after service that month. And, and I didn't go to all of them. I went to the ones I could go to. Um, but you hear these stories about these guys and the lives that they lived and the husbands that they were, the sons that they were, the brothers, the friends that they were, the mm-hmm. fathers that they were. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was speaking at my late husband's service, one of the things I wanted to get across to people was just this idea of, you know, God gives us all gifts and talents and these men, they put it to use. I mean, they were, they were out there, they were serving and they were hanging it out there to dry for their country and to make sure that their kids didn't have to fight this fight and that, um, we would be protected. And, um, and I remember initially before writing that speech, before writing that eulogy thinking Mm -hmm. we all have gifts, it's, but we don't know how much time we have to use them right? That's the question. How much time do you have to put your gifts to use? Yeah. And yeah. we all I have the dash. We just don't know what the number at the end is going to be. Right. right? And yeah. it's been determined. Yeah. It's not an arc. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And yeah. so I, I knew I said, you know, well, what's my gift? Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, but I knew very quickly afterwards, I needed to take care of these other families who had mm. lost their husbands. And, and that sounds like, oh, I, I'm capable of doing these things. But it was not so much that I felt like I could be the one doing it, but that I wanted to. What can I do to help these other families? Because at the time, it didn't seem like a blessing. It seemed terrible. I did not. We did not have children. Um, we had decided to kind of put that off at that point in time. And that decision right after he passed was killing me. You know, Mm. I I didn't understand why in the world did we push it off? Why did we make that decision? Um, But looking back, I realized that enabled me to do so much, to do what I could to support my friends and their families in a way I probably wouldn't have been able to focus on had I had my own children. Mm -hmm. Um, So I immediately was reaching out, trying to reach out to foundations and go, well, what can I do to help? You know, I want to help. I want to help. Yeah. No, Victoria, you need to take care of yourself. We we don't want to, you know, they didn't want to exploit me at a very vulnerable time, which I really appreciate, but that's what I wanted to do. So I went to galas. I spoke to people. I went to dinners with donors. Yep. A lot of the newer foundations that you just, you know, talked about, a lot of them were springing up because it was a huge loss and yep. people wanted to help and they were motivated to help. And so I was talking to a lot of those foundations about what the needs were, but what I quickly learned um, after being part of this tight knit group with some of these other wives who are walking this same journey and we're still in the kind of the initial shock of it. We started to get folded into these other wives in our community who had lost their husbands over the last 10 years. Mm. And, and I really didn't know their stories. Um, but I thought there's a lot of us, you know, there, there is a lot of us and there are a lot of kids without their dads. And, um, we need to, we need to be doing more. And and there were some great organizations out there doing some stuff, but it wasn't really formalized. And so what happened was one thing led to another. And over time, um, 
there were some instances where there was events where they were trying to bring us together, but they were kind of missing the mark on how to best support us. Um, there was a one instance where we had walked, uh, we had been included in an event that was meant for families. Um, the guys had returned home and you can imagine, you've probably seen homecoming, like movies on TV, sure. but actual real homecomings in the news. I mean, no, kids are apart, like, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, they're like climbing on their dads. The wives are hugging, you know, and this wasn't an event that was actual, actual homecoming, but it was following the return home. So you yeah. still have that, you know, you're not annoyed with your spouse yet, right? You're still <laughs> hanging on them and right. your kids are still hanging yeah. on the dads and they're squealing yeah. and there's laughter and there's love yeah. and all this stuff. And they were so sweet to invite us, but imagine walking in as a spouse yeah. with your kids and that's what you see. Yeah. And you realize your life is not going to ever look like that again. Right. You didn't get that. And yeah. And the people who created this event had nothing but good intentions. Sure. I know these people, they probably worked so hard to make sure we were taken care of, but how could they know how hard that would be? Right. Mm. And so that was one of the early events where I realized we need to start kind of advocating for ourselves. And there was a number of us that were kind of speaking up and trying to get things going. But um, several months later, one of the leaders in the community had approached me and let me know there might be an opportunity um, to apply for a position. They were going to create a position just to support the Gold Star families from our community. Um, and it was going to be within the military organization. And he had learned that I was a Marine or I am a Marine, you know, mm -hmm. that I had served. Um, he had learned about my academic background. And, and then I also had this personal experience of loss. And he said, I, I think you should apply. I think this, we need, we need you in this position. Um, and, you know, my, I had a lot of resistance from people who loved me because they thought that it was going to be too emotionally difficult. They were worried about how that would feel for me to constantly be in this world. And sure. then also that I was putting my dissertation on hold, um, mm -hmm. which there's a clock on that. But I just knew that's where I was being called to. And I, I said, yeah, I'll do it. So I, I did that for five years and we built some incredible programs to support these families. Um, and, you know, really kind of build this community of Gold Star families, and then also to kind of um, consult with these nonprofits and to help them grow their programs so they could better support them. And that's where, when I decided to step out of that position, uh, because I had at that point remarried, I needed to finish my PhD, mm -hmm. uh, I was asked to kind of stay on and work with some of these foundations. And help them continue to grow their programs. And that's when I started Pat Sienska Perfectus because I knew that it wasn't just our community that I wanted to help. I wanted to help other communities who also wanted to serve their surviving families. I'd seen how successful we were in our, our military community. And I knew that, you know, we could do this in other places. We could replicate this, um, these programs. Yeah. You talk about it being the perfect endurance and beauty yeah. that occurs in one's journey to overcome life, life's most significant challenges. It's a beautiful yeah. way of expressing what that means. Yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, it was inspired from the book of James, um, James chapter one, verse two and three mm -hmm. about, you know, needing this endurance and, and how there's, there's joy in the trials and yeah. um, the suffering, right. Yeah. Which is so hard to see in the moment, but yeah really reflects it on both sides for the families that you're going to go through this and you have your own race you're running. Like no, 
there's one of the most frustrating things to hear as a surviving family is that, well, so-and-so is doing so well. Why is that person struggling? We, we all have our own race. We all have our own timeline. Um, and grief is a journey. And it does not stop one year out. It doesn't stop two years out. Everybody deals with their own stuff over time. And so for, for anybody, whether that's a person or a nonprofit, to kind of say, hey, well, our, our support stops at this age or our support stops when you do X, kind of makes me raise an eye about yeah. a little bit yeah. because I understand that we have to put boundaries around things. But we ought to also think about the fact that, you know, these people lost their loved one. Their loved one's never coming back. That will affect them the rest of their life. Yep. Um, and, and so it's about the family's perfect endurance, but also about nonprofits and their endurance, because you've got, you get charged with helping these people and you start up and you go, you know, out the gate and you're going strong. But again, helping families, you've got to have some endurance through it. You can't just stop with this one offer or this, at this one time, we've got to continue um, caring for them throughout their journey is my perspective. Yeah. I love that part of James, you know, I'm hard into Romans five mm-hmm. where it talks about, I rejoice in my suffering, right? You, yeah. We're going to have hardships in life. We're going to have challenges, mm-hmm. by the way, we're, mm-hmm. we're built for you're built to suffer because I know that in that suffering comes like you just said that endurance, right? Yes. And that endurance is going to create a little character in me. You can call it grit. Right. And that character is going to give me some hope. And I know where that hope came from. I know what, who poured it into me. Uh, and, and I think if we can take that time, you also talked about, you know, they're never coming back and whether it's a year, two years, 11 years, right. There's always going to be carrying uh, our loved ones with us. And then there's days like Memorial day where it, it, it just, it's naturally going to be right. You can think about the day that you lost that loved one. And then that's mm-hmm. probably outside of major holidays, like a Christmas, right? But then Memorial Day comes along and, and it's a big day of a weekend off and an extra day off. And, you know, and, and this audience that you're talking to today knows it's not just about going to the lake, or going to the beach or having a barbecue. We know what Monday means. We know what next Monday yeah. means. But for a family, right, who, who, who always is there, what's your message for those listening who haven't been through about yeah. the, the weight of this and the gravity of this day? Yeah, I mean, I'm all about um, about connection and community. That's mm. that's what I drive home through my work with the programs with nonprofits. It's what I believe just from my research. And um, I can't tell you how how difficult that first Memorial Day was, mm. not knowing where where you belong. And when I say that, it's kind of, it's odd because there were probably a million things that me and some of my other girlfriends were invited to on that Memorial day, but to really feel like people were connected and that we were part of a community that wanted to celebrate the meaning of it was so important. And so we, we ended up, you know, long story short, creating a race in the Virginia beach area for Memorial Day, raising money for families of the fall. And we donate all the proceeds um, that go to organizations that support families of the fallen. Yeah. And we just felt like we wanted to build that space. We wanted to build a space for people to support other families of the fallen and it and, and really loved ones of the fallen. Because, you know, we talked about my notification officer. These guys... In, and I say guys because in our community, it's, you know, mostly guys, sure. but the guys, they have lost friend after friend after friend. I mean, I can't imagine 
having to go through that over and over and over again. And, and then seeing their families, right. And seeing the struggle, seeing the triumphs and the victories too. Right. But it's hard for them to know how to integrate themselves and provide that support. It's hard for any of us. I mean, think about the last time you lost somebody, how we are at a loss for words. We don't know what to do. We know, let's sign up to bring a meal. We know, you know, I'm here to offer all these tangible Mm -hmm. things. So it's easy in the beginning because we know that there's certain things that are helpful. What's more difficult as time goes on is how do we support them now? How do we integrate now to provide that support? So I feel like it's all about making a space for people to support and connect with them because you can't know how to help somebody unless you're actually really connecting with them. And so for Memorial Day, I think that, you know, for us, it was finding that place where we felt like we belonged Um, and that knowing people, the the scariest thing when you lose somebody is wondering if they'll be forgotten. And I'm sure you've heard that before from other people who've lost somebody. I I mean, you just want to know that people remember them, not necessarily remember you. It's for me, it's not about me. I don't like to even put, you know, my stuff out there because it's not about me. For me, it's about it's about the guys, it's about their families, it's about remembering them and knowing that if they had lived, they would have been trying to lift right. up those families themselves, you That's know? Right. Um, That's right. So for Memorial Day, it's like, for me, it's about remembering my loved one, but it's also about all these yeah. other families who um, maybe don't have the support that we assume that they do. Yeah. And, and that's the other reason I wanted to work with other military communities, because I think our community has been blessed. But there's a lot of communities where we might assume oh, well, the military is taking care of them, right? The, the military is not on any, under any obligation to take care of Gold Star families. Yeah. They're not active yeah. duty anymore. Yeah. Really, it's foundations that lift them up. Yeah. And then yeah. the people who unofficially step in from the military to try to stay connected, like Kent Solheim, right, with Gold Star Teen Adventures. Totally. I mean, they're a fantastic organization. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's about being connected to n- enough to these families to know what do you need, you know, um, not even asking them, just connecting with them to find out what they need through that relationship. Yeah. It's like my friends, uh, you know, jo- uh, John Ellsworth, whose son, Justin was killed in Iraq early parts of the war. He was a big part of starting military families United, which was my first job after I left television was working at that nonprofit and had the honor of spending some real quality time with gold star families. And one of the projects that they had there and my friend, Jeff Hunter, who lost his brother was a big driver on this is called the gold star family registry. And, and the whole idea is so that we can always remember. And John's whole thing was like, I, yeah, I want people to remember Justin, but I also want him to remember the thousands and thousands of others who have done that. So guys, you know, right. We're a week out, you know, we, you know what our task is on Monday, you know, what we're called to do and and you can do it in different ways. Maybe it's just taking time to hit your knees and and just say an extra prayer for those. Maybe it's sweating it out because you're going to do the Murph next Monday. Maybe it's just finding ways to donate or support organizations who are doing incredible work in this space. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. And if you don't want to, it's a yeah. are there some organizations you want to tell me about that are out there doing great work yeah. that help supporting yeah. and, and, uh, sure. and just helping them through the process? Who, who, who'd you love yeah. to give shout outs to? I would love to give some shout outs. So on my Instagram page, I actually have a highlight about Memorial Day. If people just don't, yeah. are not really connected to the military community, I know that can feel weird to know where to plug in or what to support. So I actually try to um, put some things together in my highlights about different events going on, um, ways you can support and, you know, uh, peace officers or police week was just last week. And so there was 
some different things going on with the, with their community as well. But um, we, I've, I've had a longstanding relationship with the Seal Family Foundation. Um, they've been an organization that's a small to mid-sized, you know, nonprofit that has done so much for the NSW community mm -hmm. and specifically families of the fallen. Um, I know they've got a fundraiser coming up in San Francisco and they are, um, they're, would be love to have anybody attend or, or yeah. support. Well, them and you know, that. we've got an open door policy here, right? So if yeah. we can help share their stories or bring more light sure. to doing, by all means. Yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. Um, the programs director for them is a gold star spouse herself, Cindy mm -hmm. Axelson uh, from Operation Red Wing. Mm -hmm. And right. um, so she's, she's fantastic. And so they're doing amazing things. Um, there's some other organizations that are doing some fantastic stuff too. There's all in all the time. It's a smaller uh, nonprofit. They are based out of um, the Hampton Roads, Virginia Beach area. They've done a lot of support in lifting up other um you know, not just families of the fallen, but active duty families, mm -hmm. uh, families who have since retired. Um, and their founder is another gold star spouse. Um, we, yeah, we do a lot of work with um, other women who just kind of know this path, right? Yeah. Um, but those are so two of the ones that I'd highlight right now. Um, there's some SF, uh, Special Forces Charitable Trust is another one that's doing some great work. I know they just had this huge event. I wish I could have gone. It was like a country music fest event oh, <laughs> and wow. um, they're doing some great stuff as well. So yeah, I mean, I try to, I try to always put information out there for people to know, like if you want to support military families, yeah. I want you to know, I want to make it easy for you. Yeah. 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 Um, so tell folks where they can go to find that. Where, where can they find yeah. the Instagram? What's so the name? All that good stuff. Patientia Perfectus, which I know sounds really difficult to spell, but it's actually just patient. I a perfect us. And so, um, it's, it's my Instagram page. I have yep. a website too, yep. but, uh, I mostly keep active on the Instagram page. Uh, to well, we'll to be sure to share that link right in the show notes and here yeah. on the show page. So folks can find it. And, uh, and I think we'll do a little bit more research on these other organizations, see how we can help serve them as well. Victoria, it's been so great to chat with you, hear your story. Uh, we don't take it for granted right? Our audience doesn't, I don't personally take it for granted, uh, what it means to go into that space, right. To go back to that time mm -hmm. to talk about that. But what we know is part of the healing and part of the journey and just part of their legacy is continuing to lean back in and, and share those stories because we know we'll do the best we can to never forget here. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. Absolutely. She's Victoria McCausland. I'm Brian Jodis. That's been this episode of pick up the six podcast.